0: One of the hardest jobs for a founder and CEO is to hire a great engineering team, and if you're based in the Bay, competing with the salaries of Google and Facebook does not make it any easier, which is why I'm really excited to introduce our next sponsor, Turing. Turing makes it really easy to build a software engineering team. Go to Turing.com and they will find you hand selective top-tier engineers that can work with you on a remote basis. Turing.com is backed by Foundation Capital, Founders Fund, other execs from Google, Facebook, Amazon, and more, and they are on a path to help companies like you find a remote engineering team and not spend years doing it. So if this is interesting to you in any capacity, I would check out Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com. And when they ask you how'd you hear about Turing, make sure to tell them you came from the Forward Thinking Founders Podcast. Specifically, tell them Matt Sherman Six. Six is in the month June. And get that remote engineering team today, not in six months, not in a year, today. And by the way, you get a two-week risk-free trial to give it a shot. So what are you waiting for? Go to Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com, and I'll see you over there. Now let's get into the show. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Jamari Peterson, who is the founder of Finite Games. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's great. It's
1: enjoying life. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, glad to have you on. I have to say, when I discovered you, I believe it was on Twitter, and I looked into your website. I thought this is literally one of the most fascinating things I've seen in the last month or two or even more, so I'm excited to dive in. For people that don't know what Finite Games is and what you're building, can you tell everyone what, what you're working
1: on? Yes, um, Finite Games, we're a gaming studio where we're developing hyper-casual esports sports games um, with really a focus on creating um, a space where in-game sponsorships and branding can actually occur. Uh, what, what this really means is that um, we use blockchain-enabled technology um, to create in-game digital assets that are consumed and used up and that impact the experience of all the other players and then those in-game assets can be branded
0: okay so many questions uh this this, is this is very good so i think before we get into the weeds of how it works can you kind of describe what you mean by cat like casual gaming and esports like when i think of esports i I, i'm not like you know i my only relation to the industry is like people that i interview so i'm 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 learning every day which is why i do this podcast Mm -hmm. but like i think of like league of legends or like you know dota or something like that but the thing is that doesn't appeal to like a mass audience right and what's interesting about what you're doing is like everyone likes rock and everyone likes these casual games so i guess like can you tell me what you mean by I guess, hyper casual. And what are some examples of hyper casual games that could be done, you know, with 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 what you're working on?
1: Yes. So hyper casual in this sense, um, historically, it meant games like Farmville, um, Words with Friends, things that allowed you to have this what they call um, asynchronous type of um, experience where you don't have to be armed the whole time. Or if you all do have to be on with people simultaneously, it's short duration, so you can go about your life and, and enjoy yourself, but return to this consistent experience. Um, like you said, like existing games in the space around esports are really high, high intensity, requires a lot of time investment, um, it requires people to be on simultaneously for extended period of times. Um, what I what I saw was opportunity creates create um, these hyper casual experiences, um, and combined it with this competitive component. So what first game I thought of was Rock, Paper, Scissors as a proof of concept. Um, It's known around the world. It's age old, but there's something about it I felt like could be updated with the way that our technology works now. So essentially, um, like I read a lot of manga and I read this manga um, um, called called Kanji and I saw this movie called Animal World on Netflix. And they were playing this restricted Rock, Paper, Scissors game where basically everybody was given a set number of cards. And then as you play the, the, those cards, those cards are, are used up. So that's something that, that's easy. That playing right, paper, is quick. But then you also get this competitive landscape now where you actually are impacting the, the strategy of everybody else as, as you use up your cards. So it's kind of a finite resource that you're burning in the process of playing. But you don't have to play all the time. But at, whenever you do play, even though um, you're not playing at the same time as someone across the world, they're going to see the number of cards that exist in the world decrease. And then how does that impact the game as they go forward?
0: So let's talk about some of the dynamics for this game. So I'm on the website. It, it, it feels like it makes me want to play immediately. Can you just kind of describe a, a little more into how it works? You mentioned that assets in the game affect everyone else's, yeah. everyone else's game. Um, so let's say, let's say we want to play. Um, or, you know, do you play with a group? Do you just play with one other person? Yeah. Can you just describe a little more how, how it works?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, to simplify kind of the, the gameplay scenario a little bit, it's imagine that there's 1000 cards, no 999 cards that was created in existence. Um, and, and that's all they're going to be for the first year of play. So, so there's 333 rocks, 333 scissors, 333 papers, and then you, and you, you decide to play. So, so, so you now have nine cards. And so, so you have three, three of each, and you're playing your first match. The first match, you're like, okay, um, I, I'll play whatever I want. I'll play rock. You, there's a counter that shows the overall number of cards that that haven't been played yet. So as you play your card, you you see that the number of cards deducts, and you also have consumed your card now. So So now you have one less rock. But, but you still have, have eight games that you're planning on playing with people later. And that's going to start changing the dynamic of how you play because you're going to say, oh, man, do I want to keep a balance? Do I want to have more of one type of card? And then then you might be down to, like, your, your last two cards, a rock and a scissors. And you're like, hey, maybe I should trade somebody else for, for, for that rock and twi- switch it to a paper j- j- just so I, I can change these up and do something unexpected. So you now have this metagaming layer that you've introduced even though you're playing one on one with people and and your card doesn't have to be at the same time.
0: I have to ask, it's such an original idea. How did you like I guess two two questions you can answer. Either how did you come up with this idea or more so like why like why this idea? Ultimately, what's the origin story behind this just cuz I think it's it's just very unique in the esports world.
1: Yeah, the origin of it was I was playing a lot of cryptocurrency-related based games and blockchain-based games. And they were not really fun. Like, um, but despite not being fun, they were making ridiculous amounts of money. Like, I think the top three games was, was making like uh, half, half a million dollars um, over, over some period of time. But they were terrible, terrible games. And, and, and they weren't designed for mass adoption in any type of way. And I said, what is unique about blockchain cryptocurrency technology that would make a more interesting gaming experience and that ability to create finite resources is what I was like, okay, hey, if I create finite resources, I I can make this world that actually feels real because it reflects the same economics of life, but kind of, you can create new strategies and new metagame and new approaches with it. So it came out of that. And then also, like I said, reading Manga. Like Manga, they have some very interesting like storylines in there that's built around like unique gaming mechanics and, and unique experiences and how do you create strategy. So so, so those two components are what really came together for me. Um, and my background is in um, strategy.
0: Yeah, d- definitely. It, it, it it makes sense. It makes me wonder like what else, what else could you, could you build it? Um, so I guess a couple yeah. of, que- a couple of questions. Well, it, it, do, are all the games that you create connected or are you kind of for this? Specific- yeah. I guess I'm curious about like future games. Do they have the same yeah. assets? Can you kind of go into yeah, that, that kind absolutely. of stuff?
1: So yes, that's the unique part that I want to talk about in regards to what cryptocurrency blockchain allow is because you now have these, what I'm calling digital assets that are, are, are on, on this separate network that's not owned by me, the game creator. I can now design systems where I use them, but allow the, the players to actually own them in a way that they can extract them for, from my game experience and put them in, into a different game experience, um, whether they create themselves or someone else creates it for them. So, for example, our, our follow-up game we want to make um, is is a, Oregon Trail-inspired game um, called the, 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 the Journey or something of that nature. And basically, um, it, it'll, it'll be a casual adventure-type game where you're going through to try and make it somewhere else, but all the resources are finite. But you might interact with people, and then and what do you do when you interact with people? You might take these cards from the Rock, Paper, Scissors game, and that could be a, a game that, that you play inside the Oregon Trail to pass the time with people you interact with um are there's other games out there there's a crypto kitties thing you might want to bring in crypto kitties in, in, into this oregon trail inspired game experience um that's what we're trying to build we're trying to create this interoperable environment where players own that uh, own their experience so in Fortnite and when you play these other games you don't own the, that asset like it belongs to the company if they shut down it's gone the, 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 that's it if they want to change what it looks like th- that's it that's the end that's you have no say But with digital assets that you own, you're responsible for them. And you can set your own permissions and control them in a way that we haven't been able to do before. So we're trying to really march down that road and create a reason for people to play.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, I'm assuming that's like the block, mainly the blockchain part of what you're building, which is like how you own the assets. And this is my, my knowledge. Definitely is more in esports than blockchain so I might need a little a little bit of a priming here I mean I understand how blockchain works and whatnot but in this sense can you can you kind of just describe to me on almost on a basic level if you're creating these games and people own like how does someone own a card if and if one thing shuts down, how do they still own it? Like, I, I'm, this is, I'm just kind of trying to understand how it works blockchain-wise. I haven't talked to many blockchain founders yet. So can I, like,
1: educate me on that a little bit? No, absolutely. So when it comes to um, the blockchain cryptocurrency perspective, um, when we talk about ownership, when you create a, an account in our game, you actually get what we call a wallet. And, and that wallet is tied to, to you as, as an individual. Like um, we might have some functionality to make sure that we can access it, but ultimately it's in control. Like you have the full custodianship of your, uh, of your player account. So, so what, what that means is that your player account isn't set inside of the environment of my game only. It's set external to the, the game. And our, and our game can just access your wallet to, to provide you the experience versus you going into the game. The game is coming to, to you if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. This is this is so interesting. I think one more question on how it works. Um, are you uh, imagining a a kind of a world where you, this game the game studio you're creating creates all the games or do you want other people to build a, on the ecosystem that you have jump started? Uh, how does that element work? Yes.
1: yes, the the future world that that, that I envision and not in the media sense, but over the long term, what we want to create is this space where if digital assets are are being created in this space, we can actually use machine learning like like GANs to be able to convert um, digital assets from one game experience to be normalized to a a different gaming experience and and still work and function in in that space. So so, so what does that mean really? It means that if we, if we are demonstrate the viability of what we're creating and create this platform and this space for interoperability but, but between games and digital assets, we can say, okay, Fortnite, uh, you, you have this skin, and Apex Legends has has this skin, um, and, and their basic structure is like this. We can use machine learning to convert the visual aspects of how that asset looked from Fortnite. In, into Apex Legend and you'll be able to move move it from one from from one gaming sphere to, to another because you as the player are, are in control that's that's what we're trying to introduce the platform the, the 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 space the the prototype for what that can look like and how that functions
0: and I guess we can just keep going in this direction if you I mean you just told me a future direction you want to go in but I guess my, my one of my last questions is you know in in 10 years or in 20 years as far as you want to as you want to look what what do you think this could look like and you might have just answered it um but like i and if you did awesome um i think the interoperability between games is like probably the future right because like games are kind of like the next the future social network in a way but i'm curious um when you look out in the future is there any other anything else you want to build with it or is that the main vision i guess we'd love to hear the big vision for it
1: yeah no the the big vision is that but also on top of that introducing ways that players can at scale become part of the of the esports world and, and the and the monetary benefits of it because part of what we want we're trying to do is integrate the ability for for part of the digital asset rights to be um branding so like if if you own something um, maybe Pepsi or, 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 or your, your local baseball team or, or your local coffee shop can, can brand on, on, your, on your items or on your assets in the game. And then, sh- and then you can benefit from that revenue of displaying it, of playing with that card or, or that asset. In, in internal to the experience. And I think what that does is create a space where now everybody is, is part of the, of the esports world. It's not just the, the, the elites by themselves, but me playing with, with, with my friends. It, it matters because I, I'm, I'm going to experience and play with a thousand, two thousand different people maybe over time. So that's two thousand hits, interactions that people are not able to access through me. And me as a player, I can benefit from that. And that's really what we we want to create, this space where gaming is a shared experience at all levels with the players.
0: And if anyone's listening to this who is, you know, compelled by what you're building, which is, I think a lot of my listeners, I mean, by now people listening know that I'm kind of like obsessed with esports at this point. I've interviewed so many people in this space and, you know, nothing's been like this so far, which is incredible. So if anyone's listening wants to help, um, what is something that, that, that the forward thinking founders community can do to help you push your vision forward and make it happen and, you know, and, and make it a little, a little more attainable for you? I guess if anyone's listening wants to help, how can they help?
1: Yeah, um, because I'm coming out of the cryptocurrency black, black, blockchain space, I'm actually big on community or working together with other people. So people are interested, um, reach out to me. Um, let's find a way to, to to create together, whether you're an artist who can like do, do in-game art, are, are, are like create limited edition um the digital assets for, for the game um to um being somebody that, that codes that can help um increase the breadth or just a marketer or somebody who, who likes playing and t- can test the game experiences. We want to create a community um for, from the top to to the bottom. This is meant to be owned by by the players and by people interested. So reach out and if if you're a funder, we, we our doors are always open. <laughs>
0: And if someone wants to find, if I'm go to your website, check it out, or find yes. you on Twitter or wherever you're at, can yeah. you please share your URL, Twitter, email, whatever you want to share?
1: Yes. Um, the, the best way to reach out is honestly Twitter. Um, I'm most active. We're most active on Twitter. Um, Finite Games uh, underscore um, on Twitter. Um, or you can reach out to me, um, Jamari underscore P J O M A R I underscore P on Twitter. Um, we also show up pretty often on Medium, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, for finite games is pretty consistent. Um, yeah, no. Um, any medium is fine. I, I I try to use everything.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm I'm glad you know I'm glad you're active on Twitter because that's how we got connected. I found you on Twitter, and and that, you know it led to this podcast, which is which is awesome. I, I I'm really interested to see how this shakes out and pans out, and we'll we'll be watching. Um, and, and hopefully helping, you know, you make it happen. So thanks again for coming on to the podcast. I wish you the best of luck with Finite Games and just keep on making the vision Thank happen.
1: You. Absolutely. Glad to be a part. of all right, thank you for
0: tuning in to that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I really want to thank our sponsors of today's episode, Turing, for supporting June's episodes of Forward Thinking Founders. If you are a startup founder or a CEO and have any need for technical talent or need an engineering team, specifically a remote engineering team, I highly encourage you to check out Turing.com and see what they can do for you. They have a two-week risk-free trial where you can check out what they have going on and if you go over to Turing.com, T-U-R-I-N-G.com, tell them Matt Sherman sent you. Tell them Matt Sherman 6, 6 being the month of June. Thanks for listening to today's episode and I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.